Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Prince Ayo, a.k.a. P. Nigma, a.k.a. I'm back with another one. I'm just glad that I can be consistent with something. Consistency means more than one, so I'm consistent in some aspect of finding what I want to do with this podcast. I think I found a kind of like a routine that I can do with this podcast. Um, I'm still deciding whether I want to do... Uh, if I want to release the podcast Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, or if I want to release the podcast Monday, Fridays, and then do certain things on um, uh, through the weekend. So I'm still trying to figure that out. But till then, I don't want to stop, so I'm not going to stop. And yeah, you're getting the release of this podcast. It is August 19, 2021. I'm in my basement looking over some things that's going on in the world. Like I mentioned in the last podcast, I'm going to mention something about cryptocurrency. And then I'm also going to touch light on what's going on in Afghanistan and the Taliban and prayers out to that country and what's going on over there because it's horrific. And it just reminds me how privileged I am to be in a country that has many faults of its own in the United States, but still a good country where I still am able to have like the freedom to even have a podcast, to even have freedom of speech, to even have an opportunity to make money to provide for myself. So it's just the little things I like to focus on that I'm grateful for. Um, but we'll touch that. We'll touch on the Taliban's in a sec, and then I'm also gonna end this podcast with Reddit stories. And like I did the last time, I have three Reddit stories that I want to tell you guys, and we'll get into it. So first, the cryptocurrency. The one cryptocurrency I want to talk about is Ethereum. Now, for those who don't know what Ethereum is, Ethereum is a decentralized, open source blockchain with a smart contract functionality. The original author and developer for this smart contract cryptocurrency is Valak Buternin. He's Russian, so I really don't know how to say his name, but he is one of the um, founders along with uh, Gavin Woods, and they released this cryptocurrency in 2015, which is about six years ago, and the reason why I want to mention this cryptocurrency, because I feel like it's almost just as important or might even be more important than Bitcoin. Like a lot of people understand what Bitcoin is, what Bitcoin is. It's been around since 2008. Like it's always been a hype around Bitcoin. People thought it was going to fail for the longest time, but it hasn't failed. It's always strived to show that it's here to stay. And it's known as like a digital asset, a gold, a digital gold asset. But what is so interesting about ethereum is that you can actually implement it into business because it's based off smart contract functionalities it's really the infrastructure of what you can do with business in a digital world um it's literally something that you can actually don't need the middleman to have a business deal with a peer-to-peer contract and that's a very interesting and very disruptive. I don't know if you got. We talked about it last time. NFTs. A lot of um, NFTs are being bought with Ethereum. I don't know if I mentioned that in the last podcast, but they're being bought with Ethereum. So Ethereum, even though the downside is it's a lot of um, money to burn the transaction, which is a very big con with Ethereum. But the exposure behind Ethereum is great. Uh, and also, I didn't mention in the last podcast is uh, decentralized financing. 
Um, decentralized financing is basically here. Let me, let me actually give you the actual definition. I don't want to just come up with anything. So De DeFi, decentralized financing is a blockchain-based form of finance that does not rely on a central financial intermediaries such as brokerages, exchanges, or banks to often traditional institutions, and instead utilizes smart contracts on blockchains. The most common being Ethereum. So that's the full definition of DeFi, and DeFi has also been blowing up this year. Um, you can make a lot of money through compound interest with DeFi, especially if you um, invest money in the stakes in certain DeFi companies. So that's a big thing going on. I don't have any like um, shout outs or sponsorship for DeFi companies. I may have to look into that as I try to build the podcast off my newfound niche and rebranding into this niche so we'll, we'll get into that I'll, I'll, I'll in the next couple of podcasts I'll, I'll try to find some DeFi companies i don't know if they'll give me a sponsorship but it's some DeFi companies that i looked into that i kind of trust and i kind of put some money into and i can just give you guys suggestions whoever's listening so let's go on to the next segment and the next segment is which i mentioned before the talibans in afghanistan so just a little context of what's going on. Um, let's go way back. So Taliban's in the Afghanistan were like an is Islamic fundamental uh, an Islamic fundamentalist group, which ruled Afghanistan from 1996 until the invasion of the U.S. in 2001. And I don't know if any anybody's old enough to remember this, but if you remember Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden, that's how you say his name, Osama bin Laden, not Osama bin, Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda, and uh, they're a part of the entire group, and they were just causing havoc in Afghanistan to the point where U.S. felt like they needed to go and try to control the situation. Since the U.S. has been there for over 20 years now, since that time, since 01. And you could say it's from the Twin Towers destruction and all that. There's so much conspiracy behind that, and that's just so much information. That could be a podcast within itself. I'm not going to go into that. You can do your own due diligence on that part. But that's basically what's been going on, basically, from 1996 to 2001. When you, um, 1996 to 2001, uh, Al-Qaeda, a.k.a. the Taliban, have been just causing havoc in uh, Afghanistan and in the U.S., infiltrated and tried to take control of the situation and they ended up just being like overseers of Afghanistan for the past 20 years and now bringing it to 2021 the U.S. have decided to exit out of Afghanistan especially after Afghanistan's president has been gone missing and the Taliban have just taken over I don't know if you guys have been watching on social media but you'll see planes exiting Afghanistan and you'll see human beings trying to lash themselves onto the plane because there's too many passengers on the plane that they can't have any more passengers on the plane they lash themselves to the wheels of the plane and as they're lifting off people are falling from the sky because they cannot hold on to the plane because of how fast the plane is going in the air and that just makes what i mentioned in, in the beginning of the podcast makes me grateful because it's like imagine you're trying to look for freedom and you didn't want to be taken over by terrorists in your own country just to survive you you, you were willing to risk your own life just because there was a small chance you can survive and go to a different country and not have to deal with such corruption that's a that's a big like topic within itself i know i kind of was everywhere with that i know i try to condense it down a little bit but 
it's a big topic within itself and it was just very heartbreaking just to see that and also the u.s in my own opinion the u.s they were in that country it seemed like in the beginning it was for the right reasons because of what's going on especially what happened in 01 and you know the twin towers and uh osama bin laden and al-qaeda but then like Five, ten years after, you could just tell that there's a lot more going on. And I don't know all the details. You know what I'm saying? I'm not in the military. I'm only looking at media outlets just like everyone else. I may do a little bit more research. But to me, it seems like because war, whether people believe it or not, war brings profit. Um, when you're exchanging firearms, it brings profit into the United States. That's why people in the United States involve themselves into war. Um, it's been like that for years, like in World War II, ever since World War II, you know, it's been like that for years. Uh, Iranian War, Cold War, it's it's just been like that for years. And also, opioids. That's another big problem that I have with uh, U.S. military in Afghanistan because they were definitely, like, having security surveillance on opioid fields. And I just thought that was very weird. That was very weird. The fact that so many U.S. Uh, military are guarding opioid fields and you don't know what they're doing with the opioids there. And obviously it's a drug, so obviously it's willing to sell it. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but, I mean, you put two and two together, it's not really that hard to do. Um, so I just those are my two, like, cents about, like, U.S. being in Afghanistan for so long, especially after they, you know, Catherine killed uh, Osama bin Laden and, and you know, dismantled a lot of al-Qaeda. But when I'm reading news articles now, they're saying that the Taliban are stronger than ever the past 20 years. So that's maybe another reason. But U.S. leaving, it's, it's very depressing because it's like we infiltrated, did all this for 20 years, and we're getting up out of there after so long. And this is the strongest the Taliban has ever been. Like, you're leaving Afghanistan in the dry. But apparently, Afghanistan people felt like they were, it seemed like they were being complacent because they mentioned this back in July or maybe sooner than that. U.S. people have mentioned back, like, back, the U.S. Army has mentioned that they were leaving a couple months ago, especially Biden. Biden said he was going to try to get the troops out. I think Trump originally said he was going to get the troops out. Um, when he was in office, he was really, he was originally trying to get the troops out of Afghanistan, but then Biden a couple months ago mentioned that he was definitely going to get the troops out of Afghanistan. So they had a fair warning, and I think the Afghanistan president and the people didn't really do anything about it. Now, don't quote me. This is what I'm understanding from the news. Maybe I'm interpreting wrong. Maybe I'm not. I'm just saying if they had a fair warning, they got complacent. They kind of shot themselves in the foot. But I'm not trying to show lack of empathy at the same time, you know, because it's like they're definitely going through a big struggle. As you can see, they're going through a big, big struggle with trying to deal with uh, Talibanian, Talibanian, <laughs> the Taliban's being just, I don't know, savages. They're being pure savages and just taking over the country and, and they're just pure terrorists. It's It's crazy to me. But, you know, prayers to them. Hopefully, oh, I mean, what what more can I do? I mean, what more can you do if you're just listening and you're not part of the military um, industry and you want to donate money? But it's very hard for me to trust, like, uh, 
sponsorships nowadays because it's certain percentages that go to actual cause and then other percentages go somewhere else with your money. Um, so I don't really just donate to any organization. I've seen certain organization posted on Instagram and, and certain organization posted like, um, on other platforms as well. But I, I don't know. I just don't feel like it's very trustworthy. That's just me. Um, but as more information comes out, I might mention it more and more on other podcasts. But till then, I think it should just we just f- figure out more information what's going on with the Taliban and how U.S. plan on dealing with the situation. As of right now, apparent I don't know if it's clickbait or not, but apparently U.S. is not allowing Taliban's access. Sorry, something happened in my house. I, I think like a trash can fell over or something. But um. Back to what I was saying, um, I don't think the U.S. is allowing Taliban access to Afghanistan's financial assets. So, if they can't, if the Taliban can't be funded, they they won't have as much fun, or they won't have as much access to do whatever they want without, you know, you know, money or assets. So, I guess that's one of the first steps. But this is a continuous story. Um, so I'll get back to that subject in later podcast, but I, that's the only thing I really want to talk about. Just a prayers out to the people who are actually struggling in Afghanistan and want to fight for a better life. And hopefully this situation will get resolved or, you know, they can do something about the Taliban. So we're going on to the next segment. Um, so for the next segment, I'm like I mentioned, we're going to talk about Reddit stories. And I found... A couple Reddit stories that I thought were interesting. And here we go. So here's the first story. This section of Reddit is Am I the Asshole? I don't know if you guys like heard about this category on Reddit, but this is the very interesting category. A lot of people have been reading it on social media platforms, and I thought I'd try it out. So here we go. Am I the Asshole for setting up a camera in my bedroom? For a little backstory, I live with one roommate who used to be a friend. Prior to living together, we came up with a roommate agreement. Within a week of moving in, she was no longer sticking to the agreement. Within a few months, she made comments that suggested that she was going into my bedroom when I wasn't home and while I was sleeping. My dog also started to act strange after we moved in. He's always been in his crate in my room when I was not home. And after we moved in, he's always been scared to come out of his crate and scared to go into the backyard. I haven't changed anything with him and was worried about what was going on when I wasn't home. After all this, I set up a camera in my bedroom. It was only active when I'm not home or when I'm sleeping, and it records when there's motion detected. My bedroom is at the end of the short hallway. At the entrance of the hallway, I have blackout curtains set up to allow my privacy going on from bedroom to my private bathroom. My room and bathroom are the only rooms beyond the curtains, so there's no reason for her to be in this area of the home and no reason for the camera to be active or anything other than my pets. I recently posted a video it had captured my dog while he was being cute. My roommate saw it and became enraged that it was recording audio. I explained to her it doesn't record anything unless motion is detected. And if she's not going to go into my room, she has nothing to worry about. She accused me of trying to court her while having private conversations. I have no interest of listening into her conversations. Just maintaining my privacy in my own room, and more importantly, my dog's safety. Am I the asshole for refusing to take my camera down? Update. I appreciate all the advice to move out and find a new roommate. 
Unfortunately, I cannot afford to break the lease. I have offered to let her out of the lease, but she refused. As soon as the lease is up, I am out. So, there's not enough information, to be honest. Um, She is being a little iffy, and if your dog... I don't know. Okay, I'm a strong believer that dogs have better sense of, like, people's personalities than people do. They have a energy thing going on with them. They understand how people work. But I really don't think she is wrong for having like private conversations but if she's having private conversations in your room which she has no business of being in your room especially if it's at the end of the hallway at a certain part of the house where only you should be at because that's after your room and that private bathroom there's nothing left of the house then that's kind of a problem and you have every right to record your bedroom for your dog's safety so she has every right to say, okay, I deserve to have private conversations, but you have every right to record your bedroom, especially if you feel like your dog's not safe and you don't know what's going on. If she's doing something suspicious behind your back in your bedroom, that's where the problem's coming in. But you didn't really mention that. You just mentioned that, like, your dog's has, your dog has been acting funny. So I don't know if you're actually the asshole. I just feel like there's miscommunication and she's kind of being stubborn and... Or maybe you're perceiving her as being stubborn because I'm only getting your side of the story. But if you're not comfortable with her being in the house with you and you can't break the lease, you're not friends anymore, why why be in that discomfort? I mean, you don't have to be friends with her anymore, but it kind of sucks that you can't break out the lease, you know, because then it'd be a lot less awkward. But it is what it is. Hopefully you can um, break out the lease, my guy. So let's go on to the next story. This is going to be a, another Am I the Asshole. Okay, this, this is going to be pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. All right, here we go. Am I the asshole for kicking my brother out of the house for eating my wife's birthday cake? My 28-year-old brother, Steven, moved in with me after he got kicked out of his college dorm for repeated violations. He's been staying with me, my wife, and our six-month-old son for a couple of months. My, my, my wife's birthday was a couple of days ago. I wanted to plan something special for her because this year has been very stressful for her. From studying to become a new mom, she barely found time for herself. I helped with all I could, but this is her birthday. I decided to not let her burden herself with doing any work. On her birthday, I made reservations for a spa session she has been needing for a long time, and I started getting everything done. The cake arrived from the bakery around 11 a.m., and I asked Steve and his buddies to help with the decorations. I gave a few tasks to get done while I went to take care of my son and get him to sleep. About an hour and a half later, I come downstairs and walked into the kitchen and saw both Steve and, saw both Steve and Jason were having a large piece of my wife's cake in separate plates. I asked what the heck was going on, and Steve told me to chill. I got mad seeing the cake split in half, and two large pieces of it were gone. I flipped out and told him it wasn't for him to take. He said he and his buddy got hungry for helping me out and really wanted to try some cake because it looks delicious. I yelled at him about how awful and disrespectful he was. He said I was overreacting since I left enough for me, my wife, and the guests, but it's not about that. He ruined the cake that I spent a week ordering from the bakery. I told him my wife wouldn't even like how it looked and won't even get the chance to blow the candles. He said, I'm sorry, all right? But you're just being a little too dramatic about the piece of cake. Then Jason said, yeah, man, besides, who cares about some stupid 
candle blown. Totally unhygienic. Is your wife like five? Lost it. I kicked Jason out and told Steve to pack and leave my house. He said he couldn't believe I'd seriously tell him to get out over something so small. I, I told him it was my wife's birthday cake and he said he could talk to her and explain, but I had none of it. I had him pack and leave. My father called and got pissed telling me I was out of my mind to kick my brother out, nowhere to go over a birthday cake. I live in a city where Steve's college is, but my family lives away. He and my mom told me to go pick Steve up where he's staying, and I said no. My actions were called disgraceful and immature for reacting this way over a cake. Am I the asshole? For every action, there's a reaction. Steve and Jason did not ask you, could you eat that cake? And it wasn't even for you, per se. It was for your wife. And that's a big deal, especially in a marriage. If, especially, it seems like this story happened in 2021. And you guys went through a pandemic. You have a six-month-old. Your wife's been stressed. So you're trying to do something nice for her. They were an asshole for eating the cake, especially because it wasn't theirs. And they took two large pieces. You don't even know Jason. And Steve was just being very inconsiderate. But to kick your brothers out, like, if anything, I would have made Steve go get another cake or, like, tried to come up with an idea to get another cake or fill that spot and not kick your brothers out for a piece of cake. That's crazy, my guy. Like, you know your brother has nowhere else to stay. He's in college. He's, he's in college, dude. Like, he he's so immature. I get it. He is the asshole. You're not as much. You're just you're just reacting to what he did because he didn't even ask you for a piece. And he just decided, oh, I'm just going to take a piece because we're hungry and we're helping him out. My brother out like, no, Steve, like you need to ask and you need to understand boundaries. So I get it. Like he is the asshole for eating the cake. But man, you can't just kick him out after that. Jesus, you got to give him some time to redeem himself. I, if it was like a friend, that'd be different. But this is your brother and you know his his like situation. So, I don't know. He's the asshole for eating the cake, but you're definitely the asshole for kicking your brother out for something that's small. It's a piece of cake. And a living arrangement is very hard to find, especially if you're a broke college kid. So, I think it's 50-50. That's just my opinion. And here's the last story. It's a short one. It's sweet, but it's not depressing. So, let's just hear it out. It's very short, so let's hear it out. Need help. Cheaters confronted. This is the category and the topic is need help. Hi everyone, I'm new to Reddit, but I think my boyfriend might be cheating on me. Recently, he's been not been talking to me that much and he's been hiding his Snapchat location, which he usually has on at weird times. He told me that before we were together, he would start multiple online relationships at a time. I don't know if I'm just overthinking, but this is the first time I have I ever had a feeling someone's cheating on me. It makes me feel super sad because he wants me to move in with him, but these things make me feel anxious. I just need someone to be brutally honest with me and tell me if I'm overreacting or if these are red flags. Thanks in advance. Even though it's short and sweet, it sounds like the typical story of someone who isn't being honest with you. I don't know if it's cheating. I don't like to make assumptions. Because it's so short and sweet, there's not enough information for me to go off on. Snapchat stories, location, that means you're probably under 26. So that that's just something in its own realm. But there are a lot of red flags, especially coming from a man. 
Um, and if you're trying to move in with him and you guys haven't had this like discussion about being like honest with each other, I think that should come up. I really do feel like if he told you before you guys were together that he was going to have multiple relationships online, are you guys really together? I don't know. Like that's, that's, that sentence right there was very odd to me when you said it or when you wrote it down. Um, but there's red flags. To be honest, um, I don't think you're overreacting. See, with a lot of women nowadays, especially in the modern day society, they always complain about, I cannot give my femininity to a man I don't feel safe with, right? And if you're seeing all these red flags and you're getting anxious, of course you're going to be defensive. You don't feel safe with them from your feminine energy. Right. So, like, of course, you're going to feel like you're either overreacting or you're seeing these red flags. Like, you just mentally, you don't know if you can trust this person. And I see a lot of truth to that. Right. And with your story in particular, I don't know who you are. The only thing I know about you is your your topic line is need help. Exclamation point. That That's that's the person you are. Need help. Um. Yeah, I, I honestly feel like you should definitely just confront him about it. Um, but just just to end, like, my little segment about um, women needing a man that makes her feel safe so she can express her submissiveness and um, femininity, I, not this guy in particular. This guy you definitely should confront. But, like, in general, I honestly, there's sometimes I call bullshit on it. Um, reason being is there's no off and on switch. Like, isn't that, that's my big problem with it. Like the off and on switch, I don't really believe in. Um, I just don't believe in the off and on switch of you going to automatically turn on your femininity after you put the guy through multiple tests. Cause that's what women are going to do. They're going to put a man through multiple tests to see if he can pass the test. And so she can like, try to see if there's any red flags in this man before she wants to continue with him and i get that you should put the man through a test that's totally fine with me but to act like there's a, a automatic switch is kind of bullshit to me because from a person who who usually does that comes from a place of hurt and they come from a place of they need protection so they're going to defend themselves so they have to put that person through multiple tests to see if there are any red flags you already have your defense up and you're already in a defensive mode when you're with someone. Um, when you're already in that defensive mode, when he say that guy does pass all the tests, you don't really know how to let your guard down. Right? You, you, you probably find that guy and you're like, wow, I can't believe like this guy actually has made it through all my little tests and I feel safe with him. But because you feel safe with him, that's a place of discomfort for you because you're not comfortable being feeling safe with an opposite sex. So you really think you're just going to let that guard down automatically, like after he passed all the tests? No. You're already going through a lot of trauma from past previous relationships. And a lot of women say online, oh, I've been working myself, this and that. I'm like, People who work on themselves don't have to tell the world they've been working to themselves. I, that's just me personally. That's what I feel about it. But teach his own. You're going to have to start communicating with that partner if you start feeling safe with them. Hey, I like you. You make me feel safe. But 
it's gonna I'm gonna need some time to actually open up and be like submissive and feminine to you because that's what I want to be. But I've been traumatized in the past, and if I still have my guard up, that is why. And I feel like, <laughs> to believe it or not, I feel like a lot of women do not explain this to men. They just expect men to know this out of nowhere. And I'm not no, like, relationship guru or nothing like that, but, like, I've seen it before with a lot of past relationships of my friends, women I've dealt with. They just expect men to know, right? Because society's always telling, like, telling men how women should be treated, but women are not understanding how men should be treated, and they just think men are dumb and this and that and fuck the patriarchy down with the system. It's like, okay, we're not in the traditional mode anymore. I get it. Like, patriarchy was bad. It has been bad for a long time. Now, if you want to be a modern-day woman and you want to be in a heterosexual relationship, you got to... There's a transaction here, right? There's a transaction to being submissive, finding a partner that you like, but also reciprocating and also communicating what you're reciprocating. Like, okay, yes... I find that I like you, you're one, we're doing great, but I have to tell you the truth. I don't know how to be submissive towards you because I am traumatized from my past. Sometimes you don't need therapy for everything. You just need to open your mouth and communicate it and be vulnerable with that person when that person is actually good for you. And that man, he needs to know how to accept the vulnerability. A lot of men, it's very hard for a lot of men to accept vulnerability or be vulnerable, especially heterosexual men. We're not taught to be vulnerable, right? We're taught to be providers. So it's not just on the woman to, like, open up and actually tell the man, okay, you passed my test, but this is what I need you to know. I'm not just going to automatically open or turn on my submissiveness to you. Uh, This is the reason why. But this man needs to accept that and also to let her know, Okay, this is how I'm going to try to understand where you're coming from. And I'm going to also try to be as vulnerable to you as you are to me. All right. That's how the dynamic should work. But that's not in a perfect world. Right. That's that's why I think it is BS for people to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to turn on my submissiveness the minute I find the guy and he passed all my tests. It's deeper than that. It's it's deeper than that. That's why, like, I try to get my head out of social media. I believe not everybody thinks the same. I feel like dynamics play a big part. I, I also feel like you can have as I also feel like you can have as much stats behind certain relationship dynamics and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, life is a feeling process, especially when it comes to relationships. You you have to understand you're dealing with the individual. You're not dealing with a group of people. You're dealing with the individual who you want to either walk down the aisle with, see where things are going to go, or build a rapport with. I guess seeing where things are going to go and build a rapport are the same thing, but you get what I'm saying. You're dealing with the individual. To each his own. That's my little rant. About submissiveness and like vulnerability and, and, and understanding wh- why why some pe- some people feel anxious in relationships and why why some people are defensive. That's the only thing I wanted to say about this little short story. I had a rant about it. I saw the story, but the rant was longer than the story. I just wanted to give my two cents about it. And yeah, 
So that's it for the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed me just going off talking about this and that. Hopefully some of it made sense. Some of it didn't. It is what it is. Um, Yeah, just tweet at me, princenigma.com. Or princenigma.com. Yeah, tweet at me, princenigma, if you have any questions or if you want to talk about anything from the podcast. So, uh, follow me on social media, so, like, for instance, Instagram. Uh, same name, Prince Nigma. And, um, yeah, until next time, I appreciate y'all. Take care.